Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast brought to you by SME Strategy. Our goal on the Strategy and Leadership Podcast is to bring you practical and actionable tools that you can implement with your teams right away. My name is Anthony Taylor and I'll be your host. Each episode, I'll interview a senior leader or a thought leader that will help you elevate your ability to lead people and drive your organization's strategy forward. Our partner is Cascade Strategy. They're our favorite tool for tracking and executing strategic plans, providing visibility for your entire team, and helping everybody have insight into where you're going and what you need to do to get there. If you're looking to improve your strategy execution, visit smestrategy.net slash cascade for a link for a free 90-day trial so you can see for yourself if you enjoy it and it helps your team move forward. So with that, I want to thank you again for joining us, and we'll get into today's guest. Good evening, Robin. How are you today? Good afternoon um, or good evening? It's good evening here in the United Kingdom. Good to be speaking with you, Anthony. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, likewise. I'm, I'm happy to have you here. I appreciate you braving technology to, to have a chat with us. And just for context, you'll be able to, everybody will be able to hear me coming out of Robin's audio. His headset wasn't working today. So that's what we're dealing with, but it's not going to change the content. I'm so excited to chat with you, Robin. We got people from all over the world. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and, and what you love in life. I am an emotional intelligence coach, trainer, and facilitator. I've been working over the last few years in terms of delivering content around emotional intelligence, and that has tested my capabilities and skills in terms of using technology, and it's pushed it to a completely new paradigm. So when I started out as a young man in my career, if anybody had said to me, when you are moving towards the end of your career, you'll be doing film editing, audio, transcriptions, you'll be making videos. I'd have looked at them very strangely and said, no, what world are you on? <laughs> well, you know, that speaks to the adaptability of the human spirit, which I'm sure that is going to be a subcontext to our conversation. So before we get into our conversation, I know that there's a lot of people from all over the world here today. So if you're in the chat, just put a chat in the note, say chat hello, because uh, Robin has students from over 175 countries. So I'm interested to see if he's got students in one of his programs, over 100,000 people as part of his programs that are in here. So if you know Robin from before today, be sure to say hi. And if you're just meeting him for the first time. I'm going to set your expectations. 100,000 students. I can't commit everyone to memory. <laughs> One or two that uh, that almost kind of, or oh, what's the word, where, where they're following me around all the time and following what I'm doing. And it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's what we call fans, Robin. You've got fans. So when you did your university degree in biology, did you ever think that you would have fans following you around the world? Oh, no, no, no. At the time, I was just studying biology. It was a subject that I enjoyed. But what was I going to do with it? Goodness only knows. It, it's very much a, a practical subject. There's lots of theory. There's lots of drawing. There's lots of science involved. But how do you use it in the outside world? 
And when I graduated, I decided I wanted to use those skills and apply them in a different way. So I went into medical selling, which is all about working with doctors and surgeons and convincing them and persuading them to use medications in an appropriate way. So it develops a completely different skill set. So what have you found in your career, both in medical sales and then in emotional intelligence, what have you found to be true about human beings, about entrepreneurs and about leaders? Well, if I take you back to when I was medical selling, there I was a young man in my early 20s, 30s, going into the London teaching hospitals, talking to influential professors and clinicians who are experts in their field, how am I going to influence and persuade them to change their behavior? Mm. Now, some of them were really great. They would uh, engage with me very, very positively, and we had really good conversations. And some of them treated me like something that they'd stepped in that was on the bottom of their shoe. And I didn't know what it was. And it was only years later that I started to read about emotional intelligence. And I realized that was the essence of why people were engaging or not engaging with me. I'm not the problem. <laughs> Their attitudes to me. Now, if I got in front of somebody who had that attitude, it was my responsibility to work with it in an appropriate way. And sometimes I get it right, and sometimes I get it wrong. So given that we're in 2021 and not everything works out well, you know, you probably came onto this call and you're like, this is going to go this way. You might be in a business or an organization and it didn't go the way that you wanted. And it could be better or worse. How can one use emotional intelligence? How can harness it? to sort of support those ebbs and flows, both within ourselves and within others? Well, firstly, I think it's important to say that this is not easy because there are certain factors that will drive our emotions. Look, let's, let's use us as, as an example. You and I had an issue trying to get the technology to work. We knew we'd got people waiting to hear what it is that we had to say. And it was driving certain emotions in me, and I'm making the assumption it would be driving similar emotions in you. So how do we work with those emotions? Well, there's no point in getting annoyed and angry and, and bashing the computer or you shouting at me or me shouting at you. We just had to calmly and collectively work around the problem and try and resolve it. Now, we've come up with a solution, which is not ideal, but it's better than nothing. So through our use of our emotions, we've used our intelligence to come up with something that is workable. It's not ideal, but it's, it's workable. It, it's fit for purpose. So the idea really is then to look at how you are feeling about a, a situation and recognize those emotions. Those emotions are giving us some information. There's intelligence in that information. How do we use that information? The world is not going to go the way in which we want it to. Things are not going to turn out the way that we like, but we just have to adapt around it and make the best of a circumstance.
So the, the first part I think about that, so I hear like the, the intervene and, and persuade piece, but within that, the first level is sort of, I'm not going to use the word mastery, but I suppose that's the goal, but just being able to recognize one's emotions at the time, because that is going to be sort of the governor for all other, the rest of the interactions. Had you and I gotten frustrated, been annoyed, got on this call, you know, if we hadn't been in check of our emotions, it would have caused a secondary and tertiary probably reaction. I don't know if, if, if that's yeah. the case. Okay. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. We would come into our conversation with a completely different mindset. And we've got to bear in mind that emotions are very much in flux. They're going to change from a moment-to-moment basis. So the emotions that you and I and indeed your listeners are experiencing now are going to be completely different to the emotions that they experienced at the start of our conversation. And they, they will change. People may agree with some of the things that we're talking about. People may disagree with some of the things that we're talking about and that will drive an emotional response and I think the important thing is just to recognize that we all have different ways in which we perceive the world and we all have different realities there's no right or wrong what's right for me is not right for you Anthony and what's right for you Anthony is not right for your listeners so we just have to understand that there's that difference there and explore it so what can our listeners, individual leaders, executives, et cetera, what can they do to start beginning to harness the most selves so that they can be more effective in their work and life? I think the most important thing is to start recognizing your emotions and start to label them and not to try and fight against them. If you are feeling angry, why are you feeling angry? If you're feeling unpleasant, why are you having that experience of unpleasantness? Is it driven by anger, frustration, anxiety, something that's leading you towards stress? There are going to be times when things are going really, really well, and you're going to be happy. Now, what does happy mean for you? Because that is a very fleeting emotion. We can't be continuously, deliriously happy. That's going to come crashing down at some point. So, we don't need to strive for happiness. Let's strive for contentment. Let's be content in the situation that we're in and in the environment that, that we find ourselves in and the people that we're engaging with. Mm. I find that so interesting in, in the past you know, time as a coach and human being that I found that my, one of my biggest shortcomings was I had high highs and I had low lows. And that neither was especially productive because if I was overly high, then I would become complacent and then I would be complacent and then drop into a low, which would get me out of my effectiveness. And so to level that out was a great revelation to me. Can you speak a little bit to that if you've seen that in people? Yes, I, I think the important thing is to recognize how you work, what it is that works for you or, or how you engage with the world and how you drive your emotional states and what drives them. For me, uh, one of my biggest strengths is also one of my biggest liabilities, and that is I've got a relative calmness about me. So I don't tend to get overstressed by things. There are things that annoy me and stress me, but uh, over the years I've found that I'm not very good at expressing it. So I do tend to give off this air of calmness and a lot of people will 
consider that if they're seeing this calmness, Robin doesn't care. Robin's a little bit complacent and, you know, he needs to rocket up him sometimes. Well, you know, there are certain situations where I really don't care. And when I don't care, I do not care. But most of the time, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to try and understand how people are, are working and how people are engaging. And if they need me to give them that relative calmness, then that's one of the things that I can do. So I want to ask you a little bit about the emotional part of other people. But before I do that, you mentioned something really around expressing emotions, is that as leaders, you know, you're in, you actually as human beings, you're not just in a vacuum. It's not just you. You're surrounded by people. What can people do to better sort of reflect on how their emotions are affecting them and impacting them? And, you know, it, it takes a second, but it's a practice. And then how can they get better at either expressing more emotion if they, that's where they see they need to do or expressing less emotion if that's where they see they need to do? Well, I think, firstly, uh, it's important to recognize that I am not responsible for anybody else's emotions. I'm not responsible for your emotions, Anthony, and you're not responsible for mine. I am responsible for my emotions. So how do I use them and how do I use them in the most appropriate way? How do I express them? And I can express them verbally or I can express them on my face or physiologically. It takes a, a fraction of a second to experience the emotion. How do you then master the expression of that emotion? And I'm still working out how you can do that. And then I've had a lifetime of doing it, as indeed you have, and I still get it wrong. And the reason I get it wrong is I'm human. I'm human like you. So there are times when I go into a situation and I engage with people and I come out of it and I think, yeah, that went really, really well. I'm pleased. I'm proud of myself. If I could do that all the time, brilliant. And I'll go into a situation and I'll completely screw up. I don't know what the secret is, but I continually reflect and think, well, what went well? What didn't go so well? What should I have done? What could I have done better? That's the way to work with emotional intelligence. You're never going to get it right. Just give it a go because you can only get better at it. And we can all work towards getting better because it's not fixed. It thought that it starts to uh, settle down at about the age of 70. But up that time, we've got a myriad of opportunities open to us to learn about emotional intelligence. And I think one of the things that uh, comes out of that also is like those moments where it goes great, you never think to go back. But if it goes poorly, you can always go back and like air quotes, fix it. Like you can impact the impact of your emotions because there is always that, that second and third part. So, which leads me to my next question. As the uh, folks are dealing with people, uh, whether that's employees, whether that's customers, whether that's the general public, you know, how does one support others in their journey of emotional intelligence, emotional maturity, while understanding that you are not responsible for someone else's emotions? I think one of the key fundamental components of emotional intelligence comes in here, and that's an awareness of other people and how they're engaging with their environment. So it's empathy. 
how do you empathize with somebody? Now, empathy is not sympathy. Sympathy is feeling sorry for someone. Empathy means that you're treating someone as an equal. You are trying to see the world through their eyes. You're trying to understand how they're feeling. You're trying to understand their thoughts and their thought processes. You don't need to agree with them. You just need to understand. And the critical skill here, you will know this, Anthony, like everybody knows it, it's coaching. It's asking good quality questions to support the other person and get them to open up and share with you how it is they're feeling, what it is that they're thinking, so that you can then build up that level of rapport and engage with them at a much deeper level. And I think that's a core skill that all leaders need to have uh, is to understand, not to be understood. And that I don't think that you can be effective. And this goes back to our first part when you're trying to persuade people. You can't persuade them to get to where you want to go, which is ironic because I'm I have a coach session in a couple hours. And that's exactly I'm going to say, hey, <laughs> I was bouncing up and down trying to like sell this thing. And I'm like, I did a shit job of persuasion. So, you know, where could I improve there? So this conversation is timely. So how does emotional intelligence, uh, understanding people, empathy tie into persuasion and overall effectiveness as a leader? Another really interesting and powerful question around the application of emotional intelligence. I think it's vitally important to recognize that another person cannot change their behavior unless they want to, unless they're willing to. And it's a fundamental part of selling. And a lot of people do not understand selling, certainly in the United Kingdom, where that people who are selling to them are putting their arm up their back and persuading them to buy something that they don't necessarily want to buy. Well, we've just got to remember that the person who's doing the buying, the person that we are coaching, the person that we're influencing and persuading still has choice. And the choice that they've got is, do I change my behavior or not? Does this make sense to me or doesn't it? Do I buy into what I'm hearing or don't I? And what you're influencing then is their choice to change their behavior. Because fundamentally, what is selling is influencing people to change their behavior. Any, any golden nuggets there around one, two, three things people can do to help uh, influence people's behavior? I think, that, again, the, the most important thing here goes back to that fundamental part of developing empathy. Ask questions. Ask really good quality questions. And I, I think if you can focus in on active listening and empathetic listening and really ask questions that are appropriate, you're going to build up a high level of rapport and engage with people at a very deep level. Now, again, that's easier said than done because I go in to see somebody and I go in to sell to them in inverted commas, and they expect me to tell them what, I sh what they should be doing. And they will say to me, I don't want you to ask me any questions. Well, you know, you know, I can come in and I can tell you what it is that I've got in my bag, but is that going to influence you? Is that going to persuade you? Is that going to change your behavior? 
you might as well read it out of a book or watch a webinar where you can't engage with me and I'll tell you what I need to tell you. But in terms of selling, it's a two-way process. It's a communication. It's asking questions. It's listening. It's responding. It's asking further questions. It's listening and responding. And the onus is on both sides to do that. Robin, in terms of You've got a bunch of different courses on your website, which, of course, we're going to plug it so people can see it because I think it's an important skill. But where are you seeing the biggest demand? Like, where are you seeing the the wants for training? What are the wants for what people want to learn in those skills in the future? This is a, a really interesting question because when I'm going out selling training, the idea of people buying emotional intelligence doesn't hold water. They're not interested in emotional intelligence. Yes, we did it last week or we did it last year or, yeah, we know all about that. What is it that they want to buy? They want to buy skills and knowledge and support in terms of communication, conflict management, team working, collaboration, leadership, leadership capabilities, either as an emotionally intelligent leader, how they can work with emotions better, or how they can work with people better. So it's the human side of leadership. It's looking at change. It's looking at change management. So the unique selling point that I've got is all of my courses are underpinned by emotional intelligence. Now, how do you train emotional intelligence or indeed those skills on a, an on-demand, self-paced online learning course? Well, all I can do is provide people with the information and provide them with good quality animated videos, quizzes, materials, exercises for them to download. But I can't go and hold a gun to their head. You must do them. I want to try and encourage people to do these exercises and to do them of their own volition and to learn through them. So I'll create the right environment and provide all the materials. And what I find is that quite a few people really do like having that ability to, to self-base themselves and learn at their own level and at their own pace. And then some people, they want a bit more. Well, if they do want a bit more, yeah, they can have a bit more, but it's not uh, online training, it's coaching. Mm. I think uh, you mentioned something very important for all of our leaders here. And again, it's the underpinning of this conversation is that you can't make anybody do anything, whether you have a strategic plan, whether you want somebody to fill out an SOP, whether you want them to, you know, attend a meeting and participate and engage, you can't make them do any of that. Although, Robin, you may have given me the idea that we're going to do some strategic planning training with a gun to your head, which is an optional fee, um, just to really make sure that you you know, your employees take it and, and participate fully. But you can't make anybody do anything. And I think uh, a role of a leader, the leader is to help that person get to where they want. And so being able to be effective of that and being aware and asking the right questions, the self-reflection is critical to being able to help move that journey along. Anything that you, you want to add on to that? Well, only to reflect that you're influencing and persuading and you're selling. You're selling and you're selling people the thought processes that it is better to do what it is that you're encouraging them to do than not to do it. Now, that takes a great degree of skill because it's easier to put a gun to somebody's head. It's 
for a leader to have a power button and to press it and say, you will do it because I am the boss. That's the coward's way out. That's the easy way out. To actually influence people through emotional intelligence, mm, that takes a great skill. And some people don't know other ways, you know, that that's how they've been raised, whether in a corporate environment or a home environment, is that the only way that they can do it is through like emotional hostage taking or threats or, you know, like other variations of that. And I believe, we believe as a company that the age of that type of leadership is dying, is that people have so many options for work right now that in some cases, maybe if you're in a high pressure environment and you thrive, some people like that. But I think the most of the world is moving towards a more collaborative, dynamic, persuasive, important, self-actualizing style of work and life. Anything, thoughts on that from what you see from your, you know, your talks around the world? Yeah, I, th I think the part of what's driving that is a move away from the Second World War behavior of the militaristic leadership style into a more empathetic, engaging, influencing and persuading type of leadership. I think we've still got a long, long, long way to go. But I think a lot of people's minds are now being focused around artificial intelligence. <laughs> we just got to ask ourselves, is my job under threat? And I think everybody's job's under threat in some way. The core skill that will keep us in the role that we're doing, it doesn't matter whether we're a, a surgeon, whether we're a CEO of a, a not-for-profit organization, whether we work in finance, whether we work in business, whether we're an entrepreneur, the key underpinning skill that will keep us in those jobs is empathy, because that is something that robots cannot do and will never be able to do, ever. And that's down to the, the way in which our brains are wired. The other thought I had on that was the global nature of it, is that whether you're doing business, you know, like because you're in Europe, I'm in Canada, we're, well, we're part of Europe, we're part of England. But if you're in India, Southeast Asia, Africa, like it's a common language, even though you don't speak the language, you can speak empathy. And I think that that's one of the things that to be a successful that's especially critical. So we got a question from the chat. So this is from Oliver. Oliver, thank you. Any wisdom on integrating the concept of emotional intelligence into intercultural communication in a nonprofit organization? Okay, so it's a little bit about what I was talking about. What, what say you, Robin? Well, I, I think the important thing here is just to recognize that whether we like it or not, we have underpinning our thought processes certain cognitive biases, and some of these are unconscious. But the important thing is very much to keep an open mind in an intercultural engagement, because people will have been brought up in different ways. They will have a different language that they will have learnt. They will have different cultures, different traditions, different celebrations. And I think the important thing is to embrace those and to understand that they are different. Why are they different? What can we learn from that? How can we utilize that in a different way? Because you and I are both white men. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, I like no, it or no. not, I'm never going to be one of Diana Ross's Supremes. I'm just the wrong type of person. 
So how can I be the best version of who I am and support whoever is out there to be the best version of who they can be? That's emotional intelligence. And I think it works whether we're talking in our own cultures or whether we're talking in other people's cultures. Just embrace it and it's a great opportunity to learn. What, what came to mind as you were mentioning that, not the being part of Diana Ross's Supremes, but just the fact that we're both white guys, is, you know, the, the ongoing and under-volumized conversation about racial inequality and diversity and inclusion and all of that. And as I reflect on our conversation so far, what's coming to mind is, is the lack of empathy, potentially, but a lack of understanding especially from white guys, not me and you per se, but, you know, really understanding that. And there's no way that we could fully get it. Like the m amount of information that they could put in whatever, we would never get it. And I think that for us to overcome those issues, and I didn't know if you think, thought we'd go there in this podcast, but for us to overcome those issues as a society, the world needs more empathy. The world needs more understanding. The world needs more questions. How do you see that social issue moving over the next couple of years? Well, I, I think you said it there, Anthony. Uh, whatever happens, whatever happens, we're not going to get it. And I think just recognizing that nobody else can understand what it's like to be Robin Hills. Nobody else can understand what it means to be Anthony Taylor. Now, both you and I are in a stereotypical group that perhaps we don't like because it hasn't got a very good reputation. But what we've got to do is just to accept that's who we are, that's what we are, and just embrace it. We are not going to get it. I don't know what it's like to be an Indian doctor who's female and who's 50. I will never understand that. But I can certainly learn from her and have that open dialogue around what her culture was like, how she learned medicine and how she can apply it. And there are going to be certain things that she does that I don't like. Let me give you another example. Her language, and I can't remember which Indian language it is, there is one of the Indian languages, one of the major ones, that doesn't have a word for please or thank you. And what those people find is whether when they come to the UK, People are reacting against that kind of behavior, which is cultural. Now, why should they learn please and thank you? Well, the important thing is that's what we need. That's what we expect. So in order to empathize with us, uh, it's important for them to learn just to put the word please at the end of a sentence. And then once the activity has been completed, just say thank you. And the more they do it, the more genuine it will become. And again, that's something I'm not going to understand because I've not been brought up with that language difference. And that's only one tiny, tiny, tiny example. Yeah, it's just so interesting that you mentioned that because, of course, you know, business podcasts are translated over. But it's like as a leader, you know, if somebody has an expectation of whatever it is that they expect from you or that you expect from them, that it gets lost in translation, no pun intended, that, that you know, it's just, it's just not an understanding. But to be able to have that relationship be effective, to have the objectives to help you know, influence and persuade, you need that understanding because that's what they need of you. 
And without it, you just, you can't move forward. We, we're at an impasse and it just doesn't happen. So what do you see moving forward for industry and what would you recommend to our leaders as, as time goes on as how they can develop and improve their emotional intelligence and overall persuasiveness and impact? Well, I think it goes back to all that we talked about within our conversation. I think uh, we've covered the fundamental principles of emotional intelligence in terms of self-awareness. What are your strengths? What are you really, really, really good at? I'm not interested in your weaknesses. I'm not interested in your liabilities. What makes you special? What is it that you can do that other people find it very difficult to do? And as a leader, you can help and support people by recognizing those core qualities and help to get people to share them and to grow through them much more often and much more frequently. I often find, as I'm sure you do, Anthony, when you say to somebody through coaching, you're really good at that, they dismiss it by saying, oh, yeah, but isn't everybody? Well, everybody isn't. But so it's not minimizing those things that you're really good at. Just recognize that mm, that's part of me. That's what makes me special. And just get more of it. And interestingly, as you grow your strengths, all those weaknesses and liabilities become less of a problem for you. Then we go to the self-regulation. We go into the action and behavior around how you're working with your emotions. We also need to bear in mind how that impacts on the way in which we're engaging with people through empathy and how we're using our social skills. How do we work with people on a a one-to-one -one basis in small groups or in large teams. And again, overriding all of that is understanding motivation. What is it that motivates me to find out more about what it is that motivates you in order that I can help to arrange so that we're motivating each other through that process? I find that one of my shortcomings <laughs> is I coach people, and I'm sure you coach people, on exactly that but then sometimes when i try to do it myself i'm exceptionally poor <laughs> so really making sure that each person has a coach or somebody to support you as you go in that journey so that you have that not only the self-reflection because you're only so good there but having somebody who can reflect on your behalf to support you in, in leading if you have any other questions we're winding down the podcast here and winding down the interview with robin robin you've been super generous so thank you i got uh, one more question right now um, from karina marks i imagine sometimes supporting someone to be the best version of themselves that that person involved may question the process how do you explain to them your short and long-term goals and keep them in an active part of the process? Well, thank you, Karina. I think what I would be encouraging them to do is to look at their own short-term and long-term goals to see if they can identify them and see if they can verbalize them and then work with them to see what it is that's going to motivate them to reach those goals telling people that you want them to be the best version of them that they are will help that because I want to be the best person, the best version of me that I can possibly be. Nobody else can be Robin Hills. Now, nobody else can act in a way that I act. They can do a, a simulation of what I could be. So just recognize that when there is a film released of Anthony Taylor's life, somebody will be 
acting up Anthony Taylor, but he will not get it right. So the, the important thing is you utilize that sort of conversation with somebody to, to reflect on how you can be that best version. What is it that you can do that makes it incredibly difficult for anybody else to emulate? I hope uh, George Clooney plays me in the movie. So, George, if you're watching and you feel like making an Anthony Taylor biopic, then you know now's your chance before I get too many gray hairs. Robin, where can people learn more about your programs? Where can people get in touch with you? Where can people you know, become one of your fans and follow you around? Sure. Uh, I've got two websites. Uh, one is eiforchange.com. That's EI, Emotional Intelligence. Number four change.com. It's interesting how so many organizations, the banks, the insurance companies, the accountants will refer to it as E14 change, but they're used to working and thinking in numbers, so we'll forgive them. And then the other website is courses.eiforchange.info. And there are some free courses on there. There's a free course on mindfulness, and there is a free book for you to download developing your emotional intelligence go along and sign up for them they are free excellent we'll be sure to put those links uh, jason if we can make sure we put the links to those free courses in the book of robins on the follow-up email that would be amazing and then uh, i'm sure if you want to connect with robin you can probably find him on linkedin as well so robin just thank you so much it's been such a pleasure chatting with you and just thank you again for your generous sharing for your insight and for just the opportunity to connect with or without sound It's been brilliant. Thank you ever so much. I do hope the sound quality doesn't detract from people's enjoyment of this. We did try our best, didn't we, Anthony? We gave it our level best. Folks, let us know in the chat. Did you like today? Did you have a good time? If you did, please just let us know because we do this. And Robin just generously donated this time today for us to talk. By the way, you're not getting paid, Robin. I don't know if you mentioned that. Uh, no, it just it really, we're just here to help our, our people. So I appreciate that you are here with us. Please do follow Robin. If you got your team that wants to learn and develop their emotional intelligence, teamwork, collaboration, empathy, communication, influence, be sure to send them that way. And then if you enjoy our podcast and our content be sure to like and subscribe and share it with your people so my name is anthony taylor i'm with sme strategy been joined by robin hills from ei for change robin again thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time thank you bye everyone thanks so much for listening to today's episode before you go i wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that will help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it. It'll help your team think more strategically and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's gonna give you a plan that you can execute successfully. Because you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful. And we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. The course is only $4.95 and you can get instant access to all of the videos. Plus you can use the code podcast for $100 off. The course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course 
Use the code podcast for $100 off. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.